In this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin welcome freelance photographer and co-host of the Shooting Hoops podcast, Dia Miller. Dia talks about her journey from wedding photography to shooting photos in the world of the NBA. We get her insight into what equipment she uses, memorable stories of her being courtside in the world of basketball, and the hosts get her perspective on the Portland Trailblazers because her podcast, Shooting Hoops, covers the world of the Portland Trailblazers. You don't want to miss this chat with Dia. She was an awesome guest. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Dia Miller. She is a freelance photographer and a co-host of the Shooting Hoops Podcast. We welcome Dia Miller onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Dia? Hey, thank you for having me. It's a it's a good day. It's sunny outside again. I know I don't know where you guys are located, but it's been it's been rainy here. Yeah, we're in the uh, Mountain West. I'm based in Denver, Matt's in Albuquerque, Ooh. New Mexico. So Ooh. we've been dealing with some bizarre weather. It's snowy <laughs> day, actually, oddly enough. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> man it's, it's wild everywhere right now, it seems like. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so Dia, it's usually tradition for a lot of our guests that we ask them either what is their favorite or what is their first basketball memory? Because on our podcast, you want to celebrate this, the, the culture of basketball and why I think all of us are fans and not just breaking down just like the X and O's we see right. on this a daily basis. So can you just tell us um, either you're just your first or favorite basketball memory? Yeah, I mean, mine's kind of a broad memory. I think um, I have been a basketball fan since I was a little girl. Um, my my family is from the Pacific Northwest, and my grandparents had season tickets to the Trailblazers back when, you know, Clyde was was playing for them. And I was I, I remember sitting with my grandfather at the game when I was too I was little enough that I could sit on his lap. Um, and I remember sitting in in the Coliseum. It was the Coliseum at the time. That's how long it's been. Um, watching the Portland Trailblazers play and just feeling like it was so huge. And I think the game of basketball has always felt really big to me. Tall people, big stadiums, just lots of energy. Um, and and that kind of started, you know, just from a really young age for me. And I I I was a kid that grew up with you know, my friends were growing up with like boy band posters on their wall and I had life-size Clyde Drexler on my wall. Um, and it just always was kind of, uh, it was something I did with my family and it just, it just kind of built this like love for, for the game and, and the team and basketball in general for me from a really young age. Dia, I have, I have to interrupt here. Um, no, go ahead. we found in, in our house, just side note on Clyde the Glide, we found yeah. the old, uh, you know, they used to have these Little Caesars posters. I don't know if that's the yes, one that you had. It was that one. Yeah. I'm pretty so sure. We had that for about like five years in my son's bedroom, that yeah. <laughs> Clyde the Glide poster. Yeah. Because we it, randomly found it in the garage. <laughs> it was on the back of my door. I remember that really clearly, it being on the back of the door. And it's funny because when I started working in basketball, one of my childhood friends messaged me and she was like, you know, I really always thought that was weird, but it kind of makes sense now. <laughs> awesome. So how did that evolve and you just taking photos all over the NBA? I mean, I, I see your work on just your social media platforms and your work's been featured on several basketball magazines. How did that journey start out for you? 
It's uh, not typical um, and very different, I think, than probably a lot of people. Um, I, you know, like I said, I always loved the game. I always wanted to be around it. And when I went to college, I went to college not really knowing fully what I wanted to do, um, but I knew I wanted to be around sports. So I majored in kinesiology. Um, I ended up leaving college and uh, had short, short version ended up in a really toxic, abusive relationship and uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. Didn't really have direction, but I had always been really interested in photography. I always really wanted to do that. Um, and at the time he bought me a camera uh, with a credit card that he took out in my name that I didn't know about um, and basically oh, said, Hey, here's a camera. You're never going to do anything with it. And uh, we ended up, thankfully, I got out of that situation, uh, but I was very much not in a good place. I, I really didn't have, he'd alienated me from my life, from my hobbies, from my friends, from everything. And I took that camera and just poured everything I had into it. And it, I built that into a, a very successful wedding photography career. Um, and I shot weddings for years. Um, I eventually moved on, got married, had children. Um, and I continued, I, I, when I started having kids, I kind of took a step back from it. Um, our marriage didn't last sadly. And I found myself as a single parent to three little kids and I still was kind of, again, lost and didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I still love photography. I just didn't really want to be in the wedding industry. Um, I found a, this is a long story. I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, found no a, I found a, um, I was on some like fan sites for the trailblazers on like Facebook and things like that. And one day, um, there was a fan site that had posted something saying, um, you know, we're looking for writers. And I thought, well, I love to write and I love the trailblazers. This would be fun. Like I didn't think of doing it as a job, but just for fun. And so I messaged them and said, I don't have any history here. Like I don't have any background here, uh, but I love the team. And I have like, I do have a, a background in writing. Um, and so I sent them some samples and they were like, yeah, come, come write for us. So I started writing for, at the time it was Blazer Gang. Um, I wrote for them and then someone from Blazer's Edge, which is the SB Nation site, ended up reaching out to me. In the process of covering the team that way, writing for them, uh, I happened to be in a 24-hour fitness and I was done with my workout and I went into the gym and I was shooting ba baskets, which is kind of my reward for getting through the workout. And there were a couple guys at the end of the court playing basketball and I could see that there was, they actually weren't playing, they were just putting up shots. And I could see that they were really, really good, like past the point of a normal person playing. And I kind of found myself watching them and not playing anymore. And I'm not really a, like a friendly person at the gym. I kind of just do my thing. But I ended up saying when they stopped, like, hey, do you play somewhere? And it turned out that it was Anthony Goods, who is a co-founder of Swish Cultures, which is a, a media a basketball media company. And we got to talking. He found out I was a writer in our conversation and they were looking for some people to write. So I sent him some articles. He got on a plane to go overseas. He was a professional player at the time um, and and play basketball. And within the next couple of weeks, he realized that I was also a photographer. And he said, Hey, have you ever shot basketball? And I said, Nope. And he said, would you want to? And I was said, Yep. And he <laughs> sent me to a G league game and, uh, with, with switch cultures credentialing me. And I went and shot the South Bay Lakers 
And uh, some, I was so inexperienced with shooting basketball that I, someone had to come tell me that I actually had to sit down at the end of the court. I couldn't be standing up because I didn't know any better. <laughs> and I shot that game and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I worked with Anthony, I worked with Swish Cultures and I just started taking every opportunity I could. And very quickly, that was in January of 2020. So that was only three years ago. And just very quickly, um, you know, thankfully through Anthony, um, just was able to build some relationships with people, started shooting for um, Josh Childress, who's a retired basketball player. I shoot all of his stuff. Um, then eventually met Chene Ogumake and Neka Ogumake. Um, I shoot for them. That led to me shooting in studio for NBA Today um, for ESPN. So I've, I've just kind of very quickly moved from a photographer who shot weddings and was kind of unsure of my direction to being now in a position where I get to shoot the people that sometimes that I grew up watching um, and the people who I, you know, love to watch play now. So it's been a, it's been a ride, not typical, but, but it, it worked out. So. Wow. Incredible story, Dia. And I have to ask, and I, and I'm honestly, I'm being sincere here. Um, do you think that like wedding reception photography, like transferred over well to like live sport? You know, it's funny. We talk about this. My mom and I have talked about this several times. And um, I really think that being a wedding photographer and, and shooting portraits and weddings and live events where you got one chance with a wedding, like you right. miss it, it's done. Um, and having that training, having the ability to you know, work under pressure, make sure you don't miss things. I, as a wedding photographer, was very focused on the emotion that was going on around me and capturing those kind of candid things that were happening. And I feel like for me, that's translated a lot to basketball. And while I love a good action shot, almost every time my favorite shots are the things that are going on on the sidelines, the things that are going on in between, the things that are going on when the whistle blows. And and I feel like that, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, there are people who do these things a lot as well, but for me, I think because that's what, that's my background, I think that that has actually translated really well. And it's put me in a position where with games, I kind of see things differently. And also with other things too, you know, when, when I'm shooting for um, the, the show a lot of the things are not necessarily just like i shoot when they're recording but as soon as the camera stops and they go to commercial break that's my favorite time to shoot because it's all the in-between stuff and i think that that history in weddings where you really have to pay attention to that stuff has definitely played a part in in why i'm able to do what i do for sure what is your process like when you get to the arena um, I'm, I'm a nerd for just kind of the technical details. So yeah. but like, what kind of camera do you use? What is kind of your, if you walk us through a typical day, like okay. you're assigned a game, like what is kind of your, what's that whole routine like for you? And what have you learned from when you first entered your first, like your first game you shot to now, like what are yeah. kind of the lessons you've carried over since that from your beginning? Okay. Well, first of all, sit down. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't stand at the end of the court. Um, I, so I shoot Sony. I used to shoot Canon. Canon is what I shot um, when I was shooting weddings. And then I actually went to Puerto Rico to shoot for FIBA. We had, it was when COVID was still kind of going on. And so we were in a bubble and I was down there for two weeks shooting for FIBA and I came back. And when I came back, literally on my way back, I stopped to go in somewhere and my car was broken into and all my equipment was 
stolen. So I was left with nothing and kind of having to reevaluate and I wasn't shooting weddings anymore. So I had to kind of look at, okay, what's going to work best for me with what I'm doing. Ended up switching to Sony. I shoot mirrorless. I shoot at a a seven three, which is fantastic. It's fast. um, It's light. It's easy. I love it. Uh, I don't ever want to go back to a, a regular uh, DSLR camera that I was shooting for Canon. Um, I know this is all technical. If, if you're not a photographer, this is a lot, but, um, so I shoot with that. I shoot largely, uh, probably 80 to 90% when I'm shooting a game, I'm shooting with a 70 to 200 lens, um, which is, if you're not a photographer, you aren't familiar with this, that's, it's a zoom lens. So you get a focal length from 70 millimeters to 200, um, which Basically, it means that I can shoot wide enough that I can shoot the guys sitting on the bench next to me um, or coming in, you know, playing on the half of the court that I'm on. But it zooms far enough that I can also get the action on the other side pretty decently. Um, So that's if I'm on the court, if I'm shooting on the court, that's what I'm shooting with. If I'm shooting up farther, um, I I really like uh, uh, there's there's a lens that goes up to 400 and that's that's a dream to shoot with when you're higher up because you can kind of get in on the action and I tend to really love those close up because you get the emotion um, but it's it's a lot it's it's a pretty laid back environment for me you know if I'm if I'm going into a game um, you, you go through security you get your credentials um, you go down kind of into the back of of the kind of where you see the players come in it's kind of the same area and out on the court um usually i'm there about an hour and a half before the game starts before fans come in uh you know teams are warming up so you can kind of go down and shoot whatever they're warming up if you want to shoot that um you know the teams i shoot i shoot a lot of g league and the g league teams the the clippers and the and the lakers g league teams are are where i'm at And because I've shot them enough, I kind of have gotten to know those guys. So, you know, if they're not playing, sometimes I'll get to kind of talk to them and see what's going on with them, where they're at. Um, You know, and they they warm up, they get focused, they get ready for the game. You shoot some of that stuff and then the game starts. And depending on so every place is different. Some places have an assigned lane. If you look at the bottom of a or the end zone of a end zone, that's football, the baseline of a um basketball court you can see little boxes and that's where like the tv cameras and things like that and and as a photographer you're either assigned one of those or you have a spot up higher where like the media people are um and so it just kind of depends on where you're shooting but if you're like when i shoot for the clippers g league they're very relaxed like you can kind of get up and move and go where you want to go when i shoot for the lakers G League, I stay in my box. So it just kind of depends on the team and and their rules. There's always someone there who can kind of answer questions if it's the first time I've shot somewhere. Um, and and then I just shoot the game and I shoot, you know, whatever, whatever's going on, whatever I see. Um, I do it, like I said, a lot of the stuff that's going on on the side, the the timeouts, the um, you know, halftime when they're kind of interacting with each other, warming up again, um, stuff like that. That kind of stuff is always my favorite. And especially the end of the game. I love the end of the game because you kind of get to see the players interacting with each other and they have friends on the other teams and things like that. And I, I just, I love that. Um, and then, you know, I, I usually, I usually end up hanging around a long time, uh, after the game, because I, again, that's when you get a lot of that kind of in between stuff. Um, I've, I've had some really cool opportunities for things that have happened like that. There was, I was shooting the G league, uh, the South Bay and, you know, Scotty Pippen's son, Scotty Pippen jr is playing for them. Um, and 
so I kind of, there was one game where I hung around and, and his dad was there, Scotty Pippen was there and they had family there. And because I hung around, I was able to get them kind of interacting and the family hanging out and things like that. And so things like that happen a lot after everybody else has left. And so if I kind of have a heads up that maybe there's people who know each other on the teams or somebody's there, I will stick around because I, that stuff is stuff that I love. Um, and then I just pack up, head out. I usually will upload, edit, upload, post on social media, um, and then send them to the players and things like that. So it's all pretty quick turnaround, uh, because then it's on to the next game very quickly after that. Awesome. How often do you see like these stereotypical collisions we think of in, in highlights and things like that? Like, are you, are you kind of like ready to move at any, any given moment or is it less, less common than you might think? Um, So I shot the sparks last season, the WNBA team and didn't get run over once, but I get run over frequently when I'm shooting men's basketball. Um, And, and the degree of that is differs, you know, the, the first game I ever shot, um, at the time, Giannis's younger brother was playing for, for South Bay. And that was my first encounter. He leaped right over the top of my head and it was oh, like, wow. okay, we're doing <laughs> this now. Um, I've been, I've, and, and it's been, you know, to a degree, I have learned that the best thing you can possibly do is kind of duck and stay mm. in one spot because they're aware of where we are. And at least to some degree. And if I move to try to get out of their way, I may move right into where they're going. So mm-hmm. I've found, and I don't know if everybody does this. This is just my train of thought, but I found if I just kind of stay, I feel like I stand a better chance. Um, you don't often get really pummeled. Usually, you know, you kind of get tripped over or kicked or, or, you know, run into. There was one time I got pummeled pretty hard by Jay Scrub. Um, Hmm. he, he flattened me. My camera went flying. I was sore for a good week afterwards. Um, but you know, it's, it's, there's also a lot of adrenaline when that happens and you're checking to see, (laughs) did I get the picture of that? And, um, (laughs) and hoping that you did because those are some kind of cool pictures. (laughs) Please let this be for something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good strategy. Let them use that vertical jump and, uh, get out of your way. I've been, I've been jumped over more than once. So that definitely can happen for sure when you're sitting on the ground. So maybe it's a more common occurrence than, than people realize. I mean, it happens. It happens. I, I don't know that it happens every game, but we've, I mean, I've watched camera guys, especially because usually the, the TV cameras are closest to the hoop. And mm. so they're really getting it. Um, you know, if you're out farther, like more by the bench, like where the players are, you're not getting it as much. It's really those ones that are closer in when they're going towards the the basket and that momentum just doesn't slow down. Um, but you watch guys. I mean, we see video of it all the time after a game where guys kind of fall into the bench or trip over. I mean, it definitely happens for sure. Um, I think typically it's not, you know, it's not detrimental. Usually you kind of recover quickly. What advice would you give to a aspiring photographer out there um, that wants to get into your field? I know technology is changing and I'm just curious to see what other fans of your work and just people that might come up to you during these games, just what is kind of your approach in terms of laying out kind of a path for them to, you know, follow in your footsteps? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, that's still a wild thought to me because it's one of those things that like I 
I still feel very new in this world and I still feel like I'm kind of figuring out my own way. Um, and, and definitely what worked for me won't work for everyone. So I think you, I think you have to figure out what works for you. And just cause, cause one person chose to do it one way doesn't necessarily mean that'll work for everyone. I'm really fortunate in that I live in an area where there's a lot of basketball being in Los Angeles, you know, I, there's a lot of teams around here. And so I have access to a lot. Um, so much of this job truly is who, you know? Um, and so I think that building relationships is so crucial. Um, and that's not always just the players. I, I actually think a lot of times, um, the players are not the ones that you, that are the most important to build relationships with, because those aren't the ones that, you know, I, I work with, with agents. I work with, um, trainers. A lot of times those are the people that are calling me and saying, Hey, we need, we need photos of this more so than, than even the players. Um, I, this advice is maybe a little controversial that I'm going to say, but this is a big part of what worked for me. Um, don't be afraid to work for free. Uh, and I know that it's important to know your worth and not to undersell other people, but especially when you're starting out and you're trying to get in, um, there, you may have opportunities to do things for free. And I'm not, I definitely don't recommend doing it long-term or for everything. But I, I think that when you're trying to get to a place to build relationships, when you have, you have, a, as a photographer, you have a skill to offer that people need. And so if you can kind of get into a position where you're willing to work for, and to me, I looked at it not so much working for free, but as working to build a relationship. And so if I could be in a position where I could see something and be like, hey, you know, this, this is not just beneficial to you, it's also beneficial to me and kind of do that. Um, it put me in a position where then I was able to meet people that then led to paying jobs. That won't always happen. Um, you could work for free for years and never get one paying job. And that's why I say like, it's a little controversial and I don't just cause it worked for me doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for everybody. I think that in the process of doing that, you have to be really, um, mindful about the relationships that you're making and really make sure that you're building those because if you're not, then all you're doing is just giving away your time and energy. Um, but I definitely think that, that, um, you know, being willing to to take some things that maybe aren't the most exciting or that um, but will lead to relationships, I think is huge. I also think um, the, the thing that has been the biggest for me is just saying yes, doing things that scare you, doing things that you maybe aren't comfortable with or that you've never done before and just figuring it out as you go. Uh, I've said yes to a lot of things that I didn't really know what I was getting myself into and spent a lot of time trying to figure out how I was going to pull it off <laughs> before it came up. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes doing the things that scare you are the things that end up leading to uh, a really good opportunity. But so, it, so the, the big things for me would be, you know, building relationships, making that a priority and not just to get yourself ahead. I think that people can tell when you're fake. And so really trying to build actual genuine relationships, you know, seeing where you can help, where you can be part of a community. There's a lot of basketball, um, a lot of areas. I mean, from, I, I always think about LA cause that's where I'm at, but a lot of, um, cities have a lot of basketball culture that doesn't revolve around the NBA, um, and getting in there, you know, see if you have a G league team, um, see if you have like other teams. And I always say too, like, if you don't have any experience shooting sports, um, go to your local high school or your local college and say, Hey, like, can I just come 
shoot for for practice. Those high school players turn into college players. Those college players turn into, you know, sometimes NBA players or professional players. And and those relationships that you build and those those people that you work with, that can lead to to opportunity. Um, and I also think just being really patient. Um, this is not the kind of thing that is a quick uh, turnaround. Typically, it takes time to put yourself. There's a lot of people who want to be in this world and, and a lot of people fighting for those spots. So you have to be able to put yourself in a place where there's something that is different about you, something you have to offer and just be patient and keep working. Um, it, you know, I mean, I, I think too, we are so fortunate with social media, with Twitter is huge. Um, I think even more so than Instagram when it comes to sports, get on Twitter, interact with genuinely, again, like genuinely form relationships with people on Twitter. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, to, you know, to, to do the work and to put in the time and, and, um, Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't in this industry. But I think it's definitely I, I'm not someone who's going to say, like, work hard and you'll get there because sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can be the hardest working person on the planet and you just don't end up in the right places at the right time. Um, but I definitely think that there are there are ways to kind of boost yourself forward for sure. So, yeah. Awesome. Great advice. I, I definitely wanted to make sure we talk some trailblazers as well <laughs> yes. into this. So it's it's a very tight Western conference, as you know. How are you feeling about the, the Blazers' chances right now moving <sighs> up into the play-in tournament and just kind of their season overall? I mean, it's kind of rough yeah. being in 12th, of course. Yeah. But it's so close. And Dame just had that 71-point game yeah, a little while did. ago. Just ran circles <laughs> around my Rockets. But anyway... <laughs> It's uh, rough to be a Rockets fan right now. Oh, it's, <laughs> so, yes, thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been there. I get it. I get yep. it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting. The Blazers are such a hard team to read. I, I just they win games that you would never expect them to win. They lose games that you think they absolutely should have won. Um, there, there's we'll go from Dame having a seventy-one point game and everybody you know, losing their minds to the next day. Everyone's like, the Blazers are tanking. It's just a roller coaster of emotion for Blazers fans. Um, that being said, the Blazers, at least according to Dame, are not tanking. Um, and I think if ever there was a reason to believe that they could make it into the play-in, it is Damian Lillard. Uh, I, I think that is somebody that you just never count out. I think that if there was ever a player who could will their team to victory, <laughs> it's Damian Lillard. Um, so I, while there's one part of my brain that thinks, man, it's going to be rough to get there. There's another part of my brain that thinks absolutely they'll make it. Um, so, it, and that is what it's like to be a Blazer fan right now. It's just mm. a little bit of both. Um but I definitely think there's. I think there's a lot of talent on this roster. I think, uh, I, I think they should be better than they are, which is sometimes frustrating. Um, I'm sure even more for them than for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't given up hope completely yet. Uh, I think. I think there's. I think as long as Damian Lillard is on that team, there's a chance. So. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, they, 
the way you're sounding it, it sounds like uh, Chicago Bulls. I'm a big fan of the Bulls, and they have the yeah. same exact issue. Um, they beat teams that they shouldn't, and they lose to right. teams that are atrocious. So I, I yeah. totally get where you're coming from. Um, one last question, and we'll let you go with this. If if you're running the, the Trailblazers for the future, Damian Lillard seems very committed to this team, seems very connected to the community. He seems like he's committed to winning a championship with the with the Blazers. Yeah. How does how does that happen in terms of a front office perspective and making that happen now that CJ McCombs moved on, Josh Hart's gone? Like where do you see this team in terms of a roster perspective, um, giving the tools for Damian to lead this team into the future? You know, I'm not sure anyone knows the answer to that, or I think we'd be in a very <laughs> different position. Um <laughs> truthfully, I think that building a roster is always more complicated than I think fans give credit. Um, you know, I can sit here and say, Oh, well, if we get this guy, this guy, and this guy, then we can totally win. Well, yeah. You know, if, if we go get Kevin Durant, we probably have a solid chance. Problem here is does Kevin Durant want to leave? Is the team willing to make the trade that it's going to take to get him? That obviously Kevin Durant is just an example. Um, it, you know, it do the salaries match up. Can we work out the, the business end of it? There are so many working parts to putting together a team that I think sometimes fans get frustrated with franchises and they're like, why aren't you doing anything? And meanwhile, the front office is like, we're trying, but like, we can't just make it happen because we want it to. Um, and so I don't know. I, I think it's it's a really hard place to be because there are a lot of players that I think are going to be. It's it's they're in a weird place because they've got 32 year old Damian Lillard, who's a superstar, essentially, that they want to build around. But then they've got a very young team. I think we're like the third youngest team in the NBA or something like that. So it's kind of this weird like to me, we need to find a way to get some some veterans in there. I think Dame needs another solid star next to him. Uh, I, I don't know that, that they need to be better than Dame, but I think they need to be somebody that's complimentary to his game. Um, and, and I don't know how they make that happen and still maintain the pieces that they need around him. I think we're really in a tough spot, which is I think why we are where we are. Um, the, the previous GM really kind of left the team in a mess. Uh, without having a lot of assets to to move and to make the moves that they need to. And I think what we're seeing right now is we're seeing the current front office trying to recoup um, assets, which is what we saw happen, I think, with the Gary Trent or the Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton, the second Gary Trent Jr. and Gary Payton, the second, get me confused. Um, Gary <laughs> Payton, the second. Um, right. We had them yeah. both. And my <laughs> mind just likes to smash their names together. Um, Gary Payton, the second. I think we saw that happen with him where they they moved him for a bunch of picks because we needed assets to be able to make other moves. So I, I think that this summer is going to be really telling for this franchise. I think that if this summer comes and goes and they don't make some really big moves, I think fans are going to be frustrated. And I think at that point, rightfully so, I think that they've got to They've got to make moves here. They've got to do something. And thankfully, I'm not the one paid the big bucks to do it because I can't tell you what they should do. All I can say is what they're currently doing isn't working the way it should. Um, they they need to get some pieces around Dame if they want to go for a title while they have him. I think having young guys that are talented obviously makes sense because then it it keeps you from having to do a full-blown rebuild when when that time is over. But at the same time, you can't always do both. 
And I think that they're coming down to a point where they're going to have to pick which direction they're going to go and then go for it. Um, and I'm hopeful that they will. I'm really, really, really hanging on to this summer. But if this summer comes and goes and we're still sitting in the same position, then I think that's the point at which fans need to be concerned. Well, hopefully they can turn it around. Damian Lillard is one of my favorite players in the league. So yeah. um, hopefully they can make the right decisions in the offseason. Dia, this has been a fantastic chat. Please let our viewers and listeners know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your work, any other yeah. projects you're working on as well. Okay, so you can find, I'm pretty active on social media. I love to get into Twitter and see what people are saying. Uh, I love a good conversation on there. I spend way too much time on there. You can find me there at Deandra and D-I-A-N-D-R-A-A-N-N. Um, Instagram is where I post most of my work. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on there as well. Same handle, but with a dot. So it's D-I-A-N-D-R-A dot A-N-N. Um, and then I have a podcast with Clyde Drexler's son, Adam, who is also a professional basketball player. Um, he played overseas. He's playing in the big three. Um, and nice. yeah, just a really, really cool guy. But he also kind of has a different perspective because he grew up as Clyde Drexler's son in Portland while Clyde was playing for the Trailblazers. So he's got some ins and he also was, uh, at a training camp with the Blazers as a player. Okay. Um, so he knows some of those guys and he's been through that. Um, so we like to talk about, you know, his perspective on basketball is different. I have the stories that I get from working with players and, and shooting. So we kind of have a different take on things. It's still technically a trailblazers podcast. Um, but we definitely talk just about kind of that stuff. Um, and it's just really fun. It's one of those projects that we just kind of went out on our own and did, and, and we're really enjoying it. You can find us on YouTube. If you search shooting hoops, Dia and Adam, there's a lot, if you shoot shooting hoops, if you search shooting hoops on YouTube, you're going to find all kinds of basketball videos. You won't find us. Um, but if you shoot it, <laughs> if you search it with our names, you'll find us. Um, I, we're also on Apple podcasts and Spotify. If you search shooting hoops there, you can, you can find us pretty easily. So yeah, that's, that's about it. Awesome. Dia, thanks so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.